The reading this morning is from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be made saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this so, but we also boast in, God's, in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Good morning. As Dave just said, this morning we're going to be focusing on another motif of the cross. This morning we're going to be looking at reconciliation. Maybe it's always been the case, but it just feels at the moment to me uh, that the world is in dire need of reconciliation. A few weeks ago, a supremacist, uh, somebody with a supremacist ideology went into two mosques and shot dead 50 people, broadcasting it live across the world. It left me asking, what sort of broken person does this? What sort of broken world enables someone to be so out of relationship with their fellow humans that they see them only worthy of killing? In many ways, the whole Brexit fiasco has amassed some of the hidden brokenness in our own country. Relationships between neighbours, communities, politicians and voters are in need of reconciliation. You might even know this morning that you're here living with a broken relationship. Some of us are married but know that we are out of relationship in some way with our wife or our husband. Perhaps we're holding some resentment towards them. Because we all know that it's often in our closest relationships that the deepest brokenness can occur. Author Philip Yancey speaks about this brokenness in relationship when he writes this, left alone, cracks widen. And for the resulting chasms of ungrace, there is only one remedy, the bridge of forgiveness between people. We need hope. We need hope that forgiveness and reconciliation in our relationships can happen. And we need hope for this world too, that this world will know 
what is broken can be restored. Ultimately, we all need to know that at the cross of Jesus, that's where this reconciliation and this restoration begins. God's kingdom, you see, is all about broken things being made whole. And that's what, exactly what Paul is talking about here in this passage in Romans 5, which Neil just read to us. It's all about the reconciliation to end all reconciliations. It's all about the reconciliation to end all reconciliation. And it flows from love, from a God who is love, who in his very nature, in his very being, is love and loves everything that he has made deeply. And if God, if in his nature, is love, we in our nature are rebellious towards God. We choose to do our own thing. We ignore him. We become self-centered. We deliberately rebel against him. We sin. And throughout human history, God, because of his immense love for us, has always done everything possible to enable us to be in relationship with him. In the Old Testament times, he gave the people the law. He gave them the sacrificial system. He sent prophets to call us back into relationship. But then, as Romans 5 verse 6 says, at just the right time, at just the right time, in God's perfect timing, while we were still powerless, whilst we could do nothing to save ourselves, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and I, all of us. All of us who didn't and cannot do anything to save ourselves. The reconciliation to end all reconciliations happened. Verse 8 said this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The cross is the most incredible demonstration of God's immense and unconditional love for us. A love that reaches right into our brokenness and brings restoration and reconciliation. It brings hope and forgiveness. A love that justifies us. That means reconciles us, restores us, brings us back into relationship with God. I heard a story about a wealthy man who lived in England and he was heading on holiday to France uh, with his EU passport, no doubt. And so he popped his Rolls Royce, as you do, on a ferry and went across the continent on holiday. Whilst he was driving around France, uh, something happened to the motor of his car. And he got in touch with the Rolls-Royce people back in England and asked, you know, I'm having trouble with my car. Uh, what do you suggest that I do? Rolls-Royce's response was to fly a mechanic over to him. Uh, the mechanic repaired the car out in France and, and then flew back to England and left the man to continue his holiday driving around France. And as you can imagine, even though this man was a wealthy man, he was less wondering, how much is that going to cost me? So when he got back to England, he wrote the people a letter and asked them how much he owed them. And he received a letter from the office that read this. Dear sir, there is no record anywhere in our files that anything ever went wrong with your Rolls Royce. That is justification. And the man gained a healthier bank balance as a result. 
Romans 5 goes on to remind us of the justification that we have received through the cross of Christ and all that we have gained as a result of that. Because we are justified, verse 1 tells us that firstly, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. How do we find peace with somebody? We are reconciled to them. Many of us here will know only too keenly that experience, what it feels like to be out of relationship with somebody, either because of a misunderstanding that took place between you or maybe something uh, that's been done to you or even if we're honest, something that we have done to somebody else has caused hurt or pain or brokenness in a relationship. And it leaves us, doesn't it, with that deep sense of unease. And I know that from my experience that the longed-for peace only comes when the situation is resolved, when the conversation has taken place, when the relationship is restored and reconciliation happens. If you know that there is something broken in a relationship you're in, maybe during these last two weeks of Lent, seek to repair and resolve the issues Seek reconciliation, gain peace. Through Jesus' death on the cross, we are reconciled to God. And so we have peace with God. The second thing that we've gained is we get to live in grace. Verse 2 tells us through Jesus, we have gained access by faith into grace. We have gained access through faith, by faith, into grace. Paul uses here the language of the temple to explain the magnitude of what Jesus did on the cross. Remember that before uh, the cross of Jesus, only the high priest in the temple was allowed access to the holy presence of God in the holy place once a year. It was something that was hugely anticipated. It was a special and unique and incredibly spiritual experience for the high priest. And often it was an awesome and life-changing experience, being able to enter into the presence of God. But this is the incredible truth. Because of the cross of Christ, all of us who believe and trust in Jesus... All of us who have been reconciled to God through the cross, all of us are able to enter into the presence of God, not once a year, but we're able to live in his presence. That's amazing. We can experience God's grace and God's love and God's generosity every day. Before John and I got married, uh, he lived in Bristol and I lived in Southampton. They were about an hour and a half apart um, and it was not ideal, to be honest. But when we got married, you'll be delighted to know that we not only lived in the same town, but we, we came to live in the same house. Uh, we got to share the same space. He was delighted having me in his space all the time. Uh, we could talk to each other. I could talk to him and he could listen to me uh, whenever we wanted. We got to share those ups and downs of life together. We lived, if you like, in each other's presence. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he made it possible 
for you and I to be reconciled to God and to live permanently in the presence of God. Tom Wright says being able to live in the generosity and love of God means we are invited to breathe it in as our native air. I love that. Because of Jesus, we're able to breathe in the presence, the generosity, the love of God as our native air. We can live in God's love. We can feel God's love. We can stand in his presence. The way is open. And some of us will know very tangibly what that feels like. Because we might be the sort of people who feel the Holy Spirit and experience his love and his generosity in a very tangible way. Sometimes um, in worship and in prayer, I get a very physical sense of the Holy Spirit on me. It, it literally starts with like a tingling in my head and shivering goes through my whole, my whole body. Uh, I remember the first time it happened, I just thought I was cold. And then I realized that it was a really hot room and I wasn't cold. Others of us won't experience God in that way. His presence and his love is experienced in a different way. It may just be a deep sense of faith, a deep sense of knowing God's love for you. Others of us are sat here thinking, I haven't got a clean. I never experience God's love. I didn't even know that was an option. Maybe today you need to ask God to reveal his presence to you through the power of his Holy Spirit in a new way. I also wonder whether for some of us, uh, we have a, a whole barrier, a whole wall of cynicism when it comes to this sort of stuff. And maybe today God wants to break down that wall as we've just been singing. Maybe we need to surrender whatever resentment we bring, whatever cynicism we come with when we come into church or to worship or to prayer. Maybe we need to surrender that unresolved thing that we know we carry that's, ex that's preventing us from experiencing and knowing God's love and God's generous presence in our lives. Henri Nguyen, a deeply spiritual uh, Christian uh, man, um, explains, uh, expresses it like this. He says this, Our life is full of brokenness. Broken relationships, broken promises, broken expectations. How can we live with that brokenness without becoming bitter and resentful, except by returning again and again to God's faithful presence in our lives? Jesus has made it possible for us to enter into the presence of God. Why would we not? Why would we not take advantage of that? The third thing that we gain because of our justification is that we can rejoice in our hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in our hope of the glory of God, verse 2 tells us. Uh, I've just got back from skiing in Austria. I could not believe the weather in Edinburgh when I got off the plane yesterday. Uh, there's one thing that you need. Well, actually, there's quite a few things that you need when you go skiing, apart from really good gloves and uh, skis, uh, is that you need snow. You need snow when you go skiing. But you're, you're never actually certain before you go uh, what the snow is actually going to be like. I always go on these um, websites and apps beforehand that tell you what the snow is going to be like in certain resorts uh, to see what the snow is going to be like when we're there for the following week. I hope for snow. 
but I can never be absolutely sure what the conditions are going to be like. Because see, even the best weather forecasters get it wrong. I've set out for a day's skiing, expecting glorious blue skies and sunshine, and ended up skiing through a blizzard. There are so many things that we can hope for, but can never be absolutely sure will happen. Because of the cross of Christ, we can put our hope fully in the salvation that God has bought for us in Jesus. This isn't a wishful hope, like we hope it's going to be snowing or we hope the sun's going to come out this afternoon in Edinburgh. But it is our sure hope, our strong foundation, even through the shifting sands of life. You might not know the name Horatio Spafford. Some of you may. This is him. But you might be familiar with some of his work. Horatio uh, Spafford was a lawyer in New York. And a couple of years after their son died of scarlet fever, uh, the Spaffords decided to take a holiday uh, with their four girls to England. Because of work, Spafford had to send his family on ahead of him. His wife and his four children were on the SS Wildehave when it was hit by another ship and sunk, and 226 people were killed, including the Spafford's four daughters, who were 11, 9, 5, and 2. Only his wife, Annie, survived. And Spafford, on hearing the news, immediately got on a ship to cross the Atlantic to be with his wife. And whilst crossing the Atlantic, he wrote the words of the hymn, It is well with my soul, of which this is the first verse. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Out of his unimaginable pain, and suffering and grief as he literally crossed the Atlantic over the spot where his four daughters had been killed, came this expression of sure and certain hope that flowed from Spafford's unfailing belief in the never-ending, unchanging and unfailing love of God and the cross of Christ. And that hope out of suffering brings perseverance, and that perseverance character, and from character, hope. We can have that sure and certain hope that we are saved and will continue to be saved, that we have the hope of heaven. We've had our fair share of broken bones in the Talbot family. Um, We've had a couple of broken legs, a couple of broken wrists, just standard stuff, I reckon, for a family of five. Uh, I remember when we had our first break, it was my daughter Alice. When she was five, she broke her leg skiing. Uh, And I remember thinking, oh no, that's horrendous. You know, she's going to be permanently damaged uh, for life. But then I discovered that once uh, bones knit together and the healing has taken place, for a time, the place where the bone was fractured is actually the strongest place in the whole leg. It's often in the place of hurt, 
It's often in the place of pain or suffering, where the reconciliation we found in Jesus is most profoundly seen, experienced, or demonstrated. Reconciliation to end all reconciliations. Today, as Dave mentioned, it's the 25th anniversary of uh, the genocide in Rwanda. And following that genocide, there was uh, a Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh, like that that happened in South Africa some years before. Uh, During the apartheid years in South Africa, so much was done that caused profound damage and hurt and broke individuals uh, and whole communities' relationships with each other in deep ways. But out of the, the brokenness and pain came the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And it was set up to help people to acknowledge what had happened and to, wherever possible, bring reconciliation, bring forgiveness, and bring a hope to that nation. And during this Truth and Reconciliation Commission, uh, this account uh, was recorded by the Mennonites, uh, uh, by some of their official observers that were there during the trials. And I'll just read it to you. A frail black woman stands slowly to her feet. She's about 70 years of age. Facing her from across the room are several white police officers, one of whom, Mr. Vanderbroek, has just been tried and found implicated in the murders of both the woman's son and her husband some years before. It was indeed Mr. Vanderbroek it had been established who had come to the woman's home a number of years back, taken her son, shot him at point-blank range, and then burned the young man's body on a fire while he and his officers parted nearby. Several years later, Vanderbroek and his security police colleagues had returned to take away her uh, her husband as well. For many months, she heard nothing of his whereabouts. Then almost two years after her husband's disappearance, Vanderbroek came back to fetch the woman herself. How vividly she remembers that evening, going to a place beside a river where she was shown her husband, bound and beaten, but still strong in spirit, lying on a pile of wood. The last words she heard from his lips as the officers poured gasoline over his body and set him aflame were, Father, forgive them. And now the woman stands in the courtroom and listens to the confessions offered by Mr. Vanderbroek. A member of South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission turns to her and asks, so what do you want? How should justice be done to this man who has so brutally destroyed your family? I want three things, begins the woman, calmly but confidently. I want firstly to be taken to the place where my husband's body was buried, so that I can gather up the dust and give his remains a decent burial. And then she goes on. My husband and my son were my only family. I want secondly, therefore, for Mr. Vanderbroek to become my son. I would like for him to come twice a month to the ghetto and spend a day with me so that I can pour out on him whatever love I still have remaining within me. And finally, she says, I want a third thing. I would like Mr. Vanderbroek to know that I offer him my forgiveness because Jesus Christ 
died to forgive and to reconcile. This was also the wish of my husband. And so I would kindly ask someone to come to my side and lead me across the courtroom so that I can take Mr. Vanderbroek in my arms, embrace him, and let him know that he is truly forgiven. As the court assistants came to lead the elderly woman across the room, Mr. Vanderbroek, overwhelmed by he has just, what he has just heard, passes out. And as he does, those in the courtroom, friends and family, neighbors, all victims of decades of oppression and injustice, begin to sing softly but assuredly, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It's from our place of being broken. It's from our place of pain or suffering or unforgiveness. And then experiencing the power of being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's where the strength and power comes from for us to be people of reconciliation. Those of us who have experienced the reconciliation, the love, the hope, the forgiveness, the joy of the cross, those of us who count ourselves as Christians, we have this deep responsibility to live out this reconciliation in our relationships and to bring this powerful and radical message of reconciliation and hope and healing into the brokenness of our communities into the broken places in our nation and into the brokenness of our world. Amen.